Thank you very much, TFJ. Tristan Field-Jones, how's it going? Happy Tuesday, everybody. Jeff Forche is producing the show today. Uh, yesterday, we kind of got off the rails a bit because of what happened in Toronto, and so I want to cover off a few things today that we uh, did not get to yesterday. Obviously, we will keep you updated on the very latest on the Toronto van attack. In fact, in about 10 minutes here, we're going to talk to Global News reporter Jamie Marocker and get the latest on the Toronto van attack. Also, we'll get the Winnipeg angle on this from Global News reporter Nikki Judy, who spoke to Winnipeg police today. You heard Christian O'Mell in the news there talking about what police are saying about the Whiteout Street Party after what happened yesterday in Toronto. And uh, this just coming across our wire service here. A South Korean news agency says two Korean nationals were among the 10 people killed when that van mounted a sidewalk and rammed into pedestrians in Toronto. And the prime minister commented this morning, of course, uh, I've got uh, more audio to play from yesterday now that we've had a chance to kind of sift through everything. So lots coming up today on the Toronto van attack, but other stuff as well, including locally this... Uh, Situation out in Victoria Beach with the volunteer firefighters. They're backing their chief. Their chief got canned. He got fired. And now the rest of them are saying, well, if he's gone, we're gone. We thought it might happen right away. That has not happened. And I'm going to play for you some audio of the deputy chief who was on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. It is Tuesday. Uh, kind of a big day around my house. We like to take a look at what's available to watch on iTunes. We'll let you know about a couple of uh, uh, decent movies that are out, available uh, to rent, and I think you can buy them today as well. Tough trivia on the show today, $100 gift card for Kitchens Today, and winning that gift card also qualifies you for Hal's Kitchen. What's Hal's Kitchen? Well, we've done this before, and we're doing it again. Hal's Kitchen is a $5,000 makeover for your kitchen from Kitchens Today. But you got to get the tough trivia question right. We'll do that uh, sometime between 1.30 and 2. Get the question right, you get the $100 gift card, and then maybe, maybe you'll win the $5,000 makeover. Wouldn't that be nice? 2 o'clock, the news with Tristan Field-Jones. And then I am going to talk with Johnny Ballpark Franks. Finally, we were going to talk with him yesterday. And then, of course, uh, this horrible tragedy in Toronto. And we got away from some of the stuff we had planned. Johnny Ballpark Franks, maybe one of the best sports names I've ever heard. He is the afternoon host at WNSR, Nashville's original sports radio station. And, of course, we're getting excited. The Jets and the Preds. We'll see what they're saying down there in Nashville. Johnny Ballpark Franks, right after the news at 2. We still do not have a name for the royal baby. Um, I hear the odds-on favorite is Arthur. If you're a betting person, you might want to put a few bucks on them picking Arthur. One thing we do know is that this kid will never be king. Well, there's a chance, but it's slim. So Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, we got together. We did a song called No, He's Never Gonna Be King. And we'll play that for you at around 2.15 this afternoon. All right. 
Uh, oh, also a very important, I was able to track down one of Canada's leading experts in these vehicle attacks like we saw yesterday in Toronto. His name is Alex Wilner. He's an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University. And we'll talk to him. He's actually in Toronto on business. And we'll talk to him after Global News at 2.30. In chatting with him this morning, uh, setting up the interview, he said, yes, we need to be concerned about what happened in Toronto. It's starting to happen here now, closer to home. But we also have to be careful we don't overdo it, right? So we'll talk to Alex Wilner after Global News at 2.30. Also, the impact of these uh, Jets playoff games on restaurants. Uh, Find out uh, about that. And uh, I've got a story I'll tell you about in just a second. Let me just tell you one more thing coming up on the show today. Global News reporter Diana Foxhall, later on in the show, she is uh, out there investigating ways to protect your bike. All right, so she'll join us probably either just before 3 or just after 3. I think she's over at Woodcock Cycle and talking to a few people about how to protect your bike. Um, Oh, questions for uh, today. Uh, Here's my question. I'm curious to know uh, when things uh, start getting tight financially at home, what do you get rid of? What do you cut? Do you look at big things you can cut or do you cut little things? And here's why I'm asking. Tapped out consumers, according to the Conference Board of Canada, Tapped out consumers will dampen sales in restaurants, basically the food services industry, over the next five years. They say, on average, growth will only happen at a rate of about 1.4% per year between this year and 2022, over the next five years. Uh, Canadians owe money. Interest rates are going up, so they're paying more to service that debt. And they're having to cut things out of their life. And one of the things, apparently, that they will cut out of their life is going out for dinner. So is that something that you do less of when things get a little tighter? Or how do you, uh, what do you chop out of your daily life to try and make ends meet at the end of the month? I'd be curious to know that. 204-780-6800. 68. Yesterday, I was asking you about your signs of spring. For you, what was a big sign of spring now that the weather got nice? And again, because of what happened in Toronto, we kind of got off track with that. Let me just read a couple for you, and, and I'll take those today, too. Uh, signs of spring for you. Uh, here's one here. Hal, first sign of spring for me, seeing the first motorcycle and geese, and also ice cream at KO's in Headingley. And how the number one sign of spring for me, my first drink on the deck. Yep, I think that's uh, the way it is for a lot of people. I've never heard of KOs out in Headingley. I'll have to check that out. It's a good ice cream place. I like ice cream. Uh, Johnny says, Hal, put the sleds away in the machine sled on the farm. Should have left them in B.C. because the lack of snow south of the city, according to Johnny. So I guess that's a sign of spring for him when he puts the sled away. Wayne says, drinking beer outside, Hal. Ryan says, spring is here, and three other families got together for a barbecue, letting all the kids run around. So spring is underway for Ryan and his family. George says, Hal, it's spring when it's warm enough to have a beer outside after the yard work is done. Sit back, look at your cleaned-up yard, watch and listen. The birds love it. 
That one's from George. Thank you, George. Uh, Dave says, Hal Spring is not here till the long johns come off, and they're still on. <laughs> it is kind of cool out there today, but I can't imagine you're wearing long johns today, Dave. Come on. Uh, another one here. Hal, I know it's spring because I didn't have to fire up my wood stove on the weekend. Yep. Uh, Hal, Rick says, Hal, spring is here because I got my golf game in sight. Yes, the city courses are opening up this week. And uh, one more here. Uh, no, that's about something else. So those are the spring text messages. Thank you for them. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. We'll take a quick break, and we're going to talk to Global News reporter Jamie Marocker. Next, Hal Anderson on CJOB. And 117 now, Jamie Marocker, Global News reporter, joins us uh, from Toronto with the latest on that van attack yesterday in T.O. Hello, Jamie. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for doing this. Uh, Tell us the latest. What have you got uh, for us that's new? Well, I mean, we're standing here at the memorial where thousands of people have been streaming in all night long, all today. And just moments ago, there was actually an impromptu vigil held here, a moment of silence for those 10 people who lost their lives. We, of course, uh, know, and we, we heard this morning in court that Alex Manassian, the suspect in this case, was charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder and 13 counts of attempted murder. And in Canada, that is a extremely hefty charge. Uh, first-degree murder holds life imprisonment with no chance of parole for 25 years if convicted. So uh, a very extremely serious charge. And we're learning more about that suspect as well. So Alec Manassian, 25 years old from Richmond Hill, uh, we're told by neighbors as well as family friends that he was quiet, uh, a little bit of an outsider, didn't often attend family events. Uh, We've also been told by the Canadian forces that he did a stint with them, but left after uh, about two months, a very, very brief stint. Um, And it should be noted that actually on Yonge Street, at the very end where this arrest um, took place, just around the corner, is the passport office. And inside the office is an armed forces office. I mean, it's unclear at this point if this has anything to do with the motive, but it is just a little bit of a side note. Uh, We have also confirmed, Global News has confirmed from Facebook, that this strange social media post from Alec Manassian's Facebook was indeed authentic. Uh, It was on his Facebook page, and Facebook did take not only his page down but that post as well that post was a, a little bit misogynistic and it had a lot of social media jargon in it had something to do um, with uh, involuntary celibacy as well as people who, who maybe are better in social situations and are able to get dates so again not clear whether that plays into this motive at all at this point police aren't saying um, but it is another strange twist in this awful tragic story Yeah, this investigation is going to go on for a long time. We know very little about why and, uh, you know, we know more about what happened than we do about why and and, and, uh, trying to learn things about uh, about this suspect. Anything new on the investigation front or is it just simply too soon, Jamie? We are going to learn something new any minute here at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Police are going to hold a a press conference with some sort of update. What that is, we're not exactly sure. Um, Again, they're still saying that they're not ruling out terror. However, uh, our 
public safety minister, Ralph Goodale, came out yesterday and said that there's no national security threat. Our threat level hasn't been risen at all. So, I mean, it still remains to be seen. We're also going to be hearing again from Ralph Goodale at 4.30 Eastern time. So there's still a lot to come um, in terms of the scene and the investigation. We did see police officers this morning really combing through every inch of this uh, two-kilometer scene down Young Street. They were walking in a straight line, looking at the ground. The video is actually extremely moving. Uh, but since then, we've seen city crews come through, and they're cleaning up. So it looks like that portion of the investigation is starting to wind down a little bit, and they're hoping to open Young Street as, as soon as possible. But there's no defined timeline just yet. You know, this has obviously hit very close to home. We're going to be talking on the show today a little bit about what will happen here in Winnipeg uh, after what happened in Toronto yesterday. We've got big hockey crowds uh, and that kind of thing. Are you noticing anything different on the streets of Toronto today because of what happened yesterday? You know, we have seen um, cement blocks put up in at certain certain major landmarks, I should say. Yesterday, uh, we had a down at the Air Canada Centre. Um, they definitely upped security in that area. And terrorism experts say this will change the way things are done here in Canada. But then on the flip side of that, you know, the mayor telling us not to act as if this, this will change us, to act, uh, uh, I guess, that everything's normal, go about your day as you would, mm-hmm. don't let this phase you, which we, we hear often again and again, but you can see on people's faces here that it has definitely phased them. Yeah. Jamie Marocker, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem. Jamie is a global news reporter. She is in Toronto, and as she said, we will be hearing uh, some comments today from various officials, and as we get those, we will have them on the air here for you. And then uh, we're going to carry on the conversation a bit today about here in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, and after what happened yesterday in Toronto, how does that impact us here? Um, uh, Nikki Judy, one of our Global News reporters, will join me at about 1.45 in less than half an hour from now. Uh, she was talking to police today. We were going to have a big crowd uh, again for the next uh, Jets game. And you can't help but that was a thought I had yesterday when this went down and it was starting to look like this was a, a vicious attack of some kind, whether you want to call it a terror attack or not. But uh, that was the first thing I thought. I thought, man, you know what? 15,000 people on a couple streets in downtown Winnipeg, if there's, uh, you know, these bad guys out there. I, I, listen, I don't want to stir up uh, fear where it's it's not necessary. But it did cross my mind, so I'm sure it crossed your mind as well. And as uh, Jamie just said, um, she's being told by officials that things likely will change uh, here in Canada after uh, this latest attack in Toronto yesterday where 10 people died. Um, how much concern should we have after what happened Alex Wilner will join us after Global News at 2.30. He is a bit of an expert in Canada on these uh, vehicle attacks. He's an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University, and uh, he will be joining us after Global News at 2.30. So stand by uh, for that. We are going to talk about the Toronto van attack quite a bit today, but we've got other stuff as well. What's going on in Victoria Beach? You've got firefighters right now. But they're threatening to walk if their chief does not get be it does not get reinstated, and so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about 
uh, what movies are available to rent. I'm excited to talk to Johnny Ballpark Franks at WNSR in Nashville as we get ready for the Predators. So uh, we'll certainly uh, talk about the van attack in Toronto. Tragic, horrible uh, situation. But we've got other stuff on the agenda uh, for today as well. Let me read a couple of uh, text messages here. I think we've got time for a couple. On spring, Brian says, hey, Hal, signs of spring. More panhandlers and dog poop everywhere. uh, Bicycles on sidewalks. Jets playing hockey. That's a great new sign of spring around here. Yes. And then Brian goes, "Woohoo! forget that other stuff. <laughs> he uh, realized the Jets are in the playoffs, and so that other stuff, uh, panhandlers and dog poop and stuff, doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter quite as much. Uh, there was another one I wanted to, somebody was just leaving uh, Vancouver or Victoria or something, and they were talking about gas prices. Let me find it here. Uh, Len, Hal, in Kelowna for a wedding, just leaving for Winnipeg. Shell gas station, one forty nine nine a liter for regular. See you soon. Be home tonight. Thank you, Len. And then I was asking you, what do you do to save money? They're saying that people are going to start eating out less as uh, they have debt and interest rates go up. Ken says, get rid of a vehicle, cable TV, and don't go out for dinner as much. That's how they do it at their house when money's a bit tight. Amanda says, less going out for dinner and lunches. No gallivanting in the car. <laughs> yes, right. You go to where you're going and you don't, you know, be driving around, burning a bunch of gas, right? Uh, keep those coming. Signs of spring and what do you do to save a couple of bucks when money is tight? 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. Tristan Field-Jones has Global News at 1.30 next. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. It is coming up on 1.33. A few more text messages here. Let me read these out. 204-780-6868. Uh, what do you do to uh, make ends meet when things are tight? New report, Conference Board of Canada says uh, people are just going to start eating out less. That's uh, what they see anyhow. Growth of only 1.4% per year over the next five years. People have debt. Interest rates are going up. It's costing more to service that debt. And when things are tight, people eat out less. Text message here. Hal, we're a family of four. And for a few years, I had to eat only once a day so my kids could at least eat healthy every day. It's better now. Glad to hear that it's better. And, uh... You're right. Parents uh, make those kinds of sacrifices, so I'm I'm really glad things are are better now for you. Um, another one here. All depends, Hal, on how much debt you're in. Start uh, by getting rid of the little things, things like you said, going out to eat, cable TV, cell phone, or landlines, uh, etc. Then, if need be, sell the TV. <laughs> Uh, even your house, self-reliance is about supporting life, not lifestyle. Yep, you're right. But I think we've, uh, maybe gone a little too, uh, a little too far toward lifestyle and away from life. You know, I mean, gee, come on, we want to have some fun, but you're right. It is, uh, sometimes just about, uh, 
about uh, living, certainly when the money's tight. And I've told my stories before, too. I came from very little money, so I I understand. Here's another one. Hal, uh, four years ago, I quit smoking. At that time, it was costing me $600 a month. I was severely addicted. Anyway, found a way to quit, changed my life. I always have spare money now. Best saver ever. Best money saver ever. Yeah, that's uh, that is uh, certainly one of the uh, uh, of the uh, big expenses for sure. If you're a if you're a big smoker, um, signs of spring. Here's one here. Hal Wayne says all the classic vehicles are out. Yes, that is definitely a sign of spring. Absolutely. Randy says, hearing the frogs in the meadowlarks. Yep. By the way, I put out my, uh, cleaned up and filled up my feeder on the weekend, and I'm happy to report the birds have found the feeder. It took them a day. That's it. Well, a day and a half. And they were feeding like crazy last night uh, at the bird feeder. Uh, Another one here. Uh, Jacob. Oh, this is uh, to our conversation yesterday about Arena Rock. Remember that uh, chat with Alan Cross about Arena Rock? Jacob says, Hal, my wife Marianne and I got engaged in the old Winnipeg Arena in 1977. Cool. Uh, Kiss and Cheap Trick. The acoustics were terrible, but it didn't matter. No kidding. Yeah, sure. Uh, The acoustics were bad in the old barn. They were terrible, but still. Boy, lots of great memories. I I vividly remember one ACDC concert where I almost got tossed out because we were, well, just enjoying the show. It was great show and I got a little carried away but anyhow uh Jim says text message here Hal very happy to hear that you got the afternoon gig at CJOB permanently yes the news uh, came out yesterday I will be here one to four Monday to Friday uh, I'm really excited about that now I'll tell you what the the sad part for me is that I have to give up the weekend show and that's been my baby I've really enjoyed doing that weekend show and but I just I couldn't keep doing it. Couldn't keep going seven days a week. So I'm really excited to be here one to four. Now I can focus and uh, instead of just getting it done, hopefully I can get it done a little better. And I'm I'm excited about being here one. And I'm excited about seeing my wife again. I'll be honest with you. And I think I think she's excited about it. I'm not sure. I haven't haven't talked to her. I haven't talked to her. But uh, thank you very much, Jim. I really appreciate that. Uh, Jim goes on to say in his text message here, personally, I appreciate your openness, willing to push, willingness to push the buttons, uh, be honest, state your feelings, etc. And thank God you're not afraid to throw in a dam or a hell once in a while. I've said this before, it's the 21st century. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. And I appreciate all the uh, uh, nice wishes on uh, Facebook and on uh, on Twitter as well. And I'm I'll be doing, uh, oh, and I should say, Clay Young is taking over the weekend show. So this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, Clay and I are going to do the show together. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then he'll take it over the next weekend. It'll be all Clay, but I've got plans to weasel my way into the weekend show here and there. So anyhow, Clay Young, we're going to do the show together this weekend, and then it'll be Clay's, and then I'll focus in on 1 to 4, Monday to Friday. A uh, couple of text messages here after the attack in Toronto yesterday, the van attack. Uh, texter here says, Hal, in view of the tragedy in Toronto, we may have to rethink removing the barricades at Portage and Maine. I I don't think so. Uh, I'm not so sure even how I feel about 
opening up Portage in Maine. I, I think I'm in support of it as long as it doesn't cost way too much money. Um, I, I, I don't really oppose it like a lot of people do, but I, I don't think we, we need to go there. We're going to talk more about precautions that are taken at, at uh, where there are outdoor crowds uh, after what happened yesterday. And so we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, thank you for your text message, though. I appreciate it. And another person here says, Hal, after what happened in Toronto yesterday, this guy charged with 10 counts of murder. Maybe it's time to bring back capital punishment and the hangman. Oh, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, boy, if there's ever a case for it, this might be it. But I'm not so sure, um, you know, I the case, whenever somebody brings up the idea of capital punishment, all I can think of is the David Milgard case. And there are others too, but I think of the David Milgard case. When I first came to Winnipeg, that was one, uh, I remember one of my first interviews here was with David Asper and Joyce Milgard. And I just remember... The pain that she felt about her son, and in the end, we know that he was not in jail. Uh, he was innocent. And so I think of that, you know, whenever somebody brings up the idea of uh, capital punishment. All right, I think that's it for the text messages, but I see a bunch more pouring in. I'll go through those uh, in a second here. Let me just tell you that we've got at least a couple movies that I would say are, are, worth, uh, are worth renting and uh, checking out. You don't go to Blockbuster anymore, right? But you get them on iTunes or if you're like Tom Milroy, you still go and buy the the Blu-ray, I guess, or the DVD. I'm not even sure. Tim, uh, uh, Tom might still be buying the VHS. I'm not sure. He might be doing that. Uh, one of the new movies that you can check out as of today is Paddington 2. I did not see Paddington 1. I had not planned on seeing Paddington 2 but these things have almost 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics love these movies. I may have to go back and watch one and then two. But two is available today. I'd like to get my Aunt Lucy a birthday present. Aww. An old pop-up book of London. The only problem is it's rather expensive. Where on earth did you find it? At Mr. Gruber's antique shop. <laughs> Stop! Please! Cheerio. Hold it right there. We're rich again. Paddington 2, available for rent and purchase today. And the other one I think is uh, worth seeing, only because I've seen the others, and I know my wife will want to see this one, it's Maze Runner, The Death Cure. The last city, wicked whole base of operations. It's the Nias, Dan Hermano. That's where we're going. Three years we spent behind walls trying to break out. Now we're trying to break back in. All right, there you go. A couple of movies you might want to check out available as of today. I want to play uh, some audio from Mackling and McGarry this morning. They had on Victoria Beach Deputy Chief Wolf Craft. He is uh, one of the firefighters up there. And, of course, the, the chief was let go. And now the volunteer firefighters are threatening to walk out in support. And uh, Deputy Chief Wolf Kraft was on with Mackling and McGarry this morning. Take a listen, a few minutes of what he had to say. Our current council oper- has always operated on a, on a uh, basis whereby the different departments, municipal departments, reported to council committees or to council. The council is currently in the process of changing that structure whereby 
the different various areas like fire, police, parks, rec, all those departments will report to the CAO. That is currently a bylaw that they are trying to pass. It went through first reading last week. What it appears is that council is already trying to run the municipality in the fashion where the different committees answer to the CAO. And this appears to be where the problem started in that the CAO has been directing the various different committees, and particularly the fire committee, and yet the bylaws clearly state that the chief is to report to council, not to CAO. So when the CAO tried to tell the chief what to do, the chief got his back up and would not communicate with the CAO. He attempted to communicate with council, and council never, ever gave him that opportunity. It's looking like it has nothing more to do than a personality conflict between three members of our community, well, one member of our community and two members of council and administration of council. I reached out to Brad and to the Reeve uh, to seek professional mediation uh, to resolve this uh, uh, conflict between three people. And Brad has agreed to it. And the Reeve has texted me back that he absolutely will not. I totally do not understand the rationale behind that. If the firefighters walk off, the implications, we met yesterday morning with a member of the insurance brokers of Manitoba, and he kind of laid out what the implications for insurance would be if the firefighters were to walk off. And basically any residence or property with a five-mile radius of our hall would be impacted by a 25 to 40% increase in their insurance premiums as well as there could be limited payouts if there was to be a loss after the department walked off the job and they hadn't changed their policy. As far as I know, I have not had one person respond to me in a negative fashion. So far, they are 100% the firefighter behind the firefighters. I have had many, many people say, you guys better just walk off. Council needs to listen. Council is not listening. I spent all day yesterday with community leaders here trying to figure out a uh, resolve. I had invited council to attend. They did not. We were on the phone back and forth with them throughout the day, and they did not budge one inch. And I just don't understand it. Like, I, I'm so dismayed in their lack of leadership, especially Reeve Brian Hodgson. Surely he should be able to see that the, the impact that this would have on the community uh, is, is so great that I don't understand it. Council is having a meeting uh, next week on Tuesday at their chambers in Winnipeg, and we urge all uh, property owners and taxpayers in the arm of Victoria Beach and arm of Alexander that are impacted by this to attend that meeting and voice their concerns. That is Victoria Beach Fire Deputy Chief Wolf Craft. So as you can see, they really support their chief. It's going to be interesting to see what happens out in Victoria Beach? 145, quarter to two, quick break, and then we're coming right back. Hal on CGOB. All right, tough trivia. Giving away a $100 gift card for kitchens today. You might win Hal's Kitchen, $5,000 kitchen makeover, but you got to get the question right. You got to get the gift card, and then you're in to win the big grand prize. And we're going to toss in today a Santa Lucia pizza gift certificate as well. So some pizza. Uh, great. You get the $100 uh, gift card at Kitchens today, might win the big new kitchen, and then you don't have to cook because you got the Santa Lucia pizza. Perfect. 
204-780-6868. Here is the question. Tough trivia. 204-780-6868. We are expected to consume 8% more of this product this year than last year, returning to levels not seen since 1967. What is it? What product is that? We're going to consume 8 more percent of it this year, year over year. And that'll get us back to levels we have not seen consuming this product since 1967. Hmm. So it's an old school product that's making a comeback, I guess, is a way to put it. What would that be? 204-780-6868. Hello, have you got a guess? Cod liver oil. Cod liver oil. No, not cod liver oil. Thank you. Hello, CJOB. Potatoes? Not potatoes. No. Hi, CJOB. Sugar? Not sugar. No. Hi. Have you got a guess? Hello. Mm, hi. Hi. Is it more bread product? Not bread. No. Hello, CJOB. Hello. Got a guess? Pine salt. I can't hear you. Pine salt. Well, uh, do you say salt? Pine salt? Pine okay, salt. yeah, you're on speakerphone or something. It was hard to understand you. No, not pine salt. Hi, CJOB. Hi, would it be fish? No, it's not fish. No. Hi, have you got a guess? Water. Water, did you say? I did say water. No, it's not water. No, it's uh it's not water. Hi, CJOB. Hey there. Hi. Would it be but would it be butter? We are expected to consume 8% more butter. Yes. Yes, we're consuming more butter, 8% more this year compared to last year, and that'll get us to levels not seen since 1967. For a long time, people were like, oh, that butter's bad for you, eat the margarine, and now they're realizing butter is more natural and actually better for you, or at least that's what the experts say. Yes, you're absolutely right. What is your name? Frank. All right, you've got the uh, gift certificate for Santa Lucia. You got the $100 gift card for Kitchens Today, and you're now qualified to win that $5,000 kitchen makeover, Hal's Kitchen from Kitchens Today. Good for you. Thank, thank you very much. All right, we'll put you on hold, and uh, Jeff Forche is going to chat with you off the air, get you all signed up, and we'll do it again tomorrow. And I understand we're going to give uh, more Santa Lucia pizza away tomorrow, too. Pizza and the gift card from Kitchens Today. And uh, that Hal's Kitchen, I uh, the woman who won that last time we did that, she was so excited, and she's got such a beautiful kitchen now. So that's a big deal. That's a, a real nice prize. we got the news coming up here at the top of the clock, 2 o'clock, and then right after, finally, we're going to have our conversation with Johnny Ballpark Franks. He is at WNSR, Nashville's original sports radio station. We're going to talk Jets and Preds. With Johnny. All right, so that is coming up quickly. Let me just uh, squeeze in a quick conversation here with Global News reporter Nikki Judy. Hello, Nikki. Hi, Hal. How are you? Great. You were talking to Winnipeg police today about our whiteout street party, and after what happened in Toronto yesterday, they had some things to say. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't comment on what happened in Toronto and if, you know, things are going to be changing here in Winnipeg. What they would say is that, you know, 
They are concerned, and people should be concerned. There were more than 15,000 people at that last Whiteout Street party here in downtown Winnipeg. Now, I'm not too sure if you saw these dump trucks. Did you see these dump trucks at all the entrances to the Whiteout Street party? No, I didn't, but I heard about them. So they've been there all along, eh? So, no, they actually haven't been there all Mm. along. They weren't there for Game 1, but they popped up starting in Game 2, and there were four of them because there's four entrances. So there's one truck essentially at every entrance. And police call this like a movable movable barrier, and it's because it's easier if something goes down for emergency crews to get in. And it also prevents people from accidentally or intentionally driving through that street party. Mm -hmm. You know, I I talked to an expert on these types of attacks today, and he said, yes, we need to be concerned, and certainly with events like the Whiteout Street Party, we need to be aware of what happened in Toronto, but we also can't overreact. And he was reassuring me and the listeners that uh, officials are on this. They are taking precautions. Yes, again, you know, Winnipeg police say they are concerned by it. And it's because, you know, we've seen these threats worldwide. And police were saying the reason why they're so prolific is because they're hard to prevent, yet easy to carry out. So, you know, all police would say that is that they're mindful of these types of attacks. They're on it. And they do have an operational plan that reflects their capabilities to deal with something like that. What those plans are, though, they wouldn't go into detail. Sure, makes sense. Hey, Nikki, thanks a lot. We'll watch for more on television tonight. Thanks so much, Hal. That is Global News reporter Nikki Judy. And, uh, yeah, she'll have the story on TV tonight. And, by the way, that expert that I referred to, Alex Wilner, he is an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University. We'll talk to him after the news at 2.30 in just over half an hour from now. 2 o'clock news coming right up. Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ204. We are going to go live to Toronto. Police are going to be commenting on that van attack yesterday uh, in TO. So as soon as they go live, we will carry it uh, so that you can uh, hear it, okay? And keep the text messages coming on this subject and other subjects, 204-780-6868. I believe we're waiting for the uh, right person to get to the podium. And uh, as I said, we've been, uh, is that the uh, correct uh, person there that's speaking or are we, no, it's not the right one. Okay. Uh, sorry. Live radio. Um, uh, just keeping an eye on the podium there in Toronto and, and want to make sure that we go to it when the right person is there ready to speak. Um, I'm getting some text messages on capital punishment relating to what happened in Toronto yesterday. And uh, this texture says, I find uneducated people, Hal, are always the ones that asked for capital punishment. I I don't think that's uh, necessarily the case at all. And then Brendan said uh, this, we need to bring back capital punishment now with a third verdict, guilty beyond any doubt. That's interesting. I haven't really heard that before. So in cases like this where there's no question that uh, the person, uh, listen, You're always innocent until proven guilty. I have to be careful the way I say this. But you know what I mean, where there are many witnesses and it's obvious what happened and who did it, uh, then uh, that's what the texture is getting at. All right, let's go to Toronto Police as they update the media. Chief. Thank you, Victor. So as you know, yesterday, April 23rd at approximately 1.25 p.m., uh, Toronto Police Service Communications received a phone call stating that there's a personal... Uh, personal collision injury in the Young and Finch area. 
I can tell you seven, seven minutes after that phone call, the Toronto Police Service had a male under arrest for, uh, we believe, responsible for the mass casualty incident that took place. Uh, Detective Sergeant Graham Gibson from the Toronto Homicide Squad is here today. He will be able to give you an overview of the investigation and the status of it right now. Chief Coroner Dirk Heyer is going to be here, and he'll also be able to provide some updates on other aspects of the investigation. But what I will speak uh, to is the next steps with regards to the crime scene itself. Uh, appreciating the fact that we're looking at approximately a kilometer strip of the busiest street in the in the country. Uh, it's an outdoor scene. There is a lot of uh, evidence that needs to be gathered. However, we try to uh, take every measure possible to expedite the processing of the scene without uh, affecting or compromising the integrity of the investigation. In order to do that, we had to uh, acquire the resources of specialized uh, traffic reconstruction uh, resources from other jurisdictions. Uh, I can tell you the GTA collectively uh, called to pitch in, and uh, we're grateful for that particular uh, uh, help that was uh, asked. However, at the end of the day, we were able to utilize uh, York um, Regional Police Service as well as the Peel Regional Services to help assist with processing the scene as quick as possible. And I'd also like to thank uh, Commissioner Hawks and the Ontario Provincial Police for also providing special resources uh, in helping um, look after the scene. I can tell you every effort uh, is going to be made to continue to do what we can do to uh, reduce the footprint that we have occupied at this point, and uh, we are hoping by the end of the day to have that particular scene reduced. Uh, now to speak on the actual investigation itself, uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Graham Gibson. Thank you, Chief. I'm going to update you on the uh, investigation aspect of homicides uh, 18 to 27 for this year. Uh, and with regard to the investigation, it is alleged that during the morning hours, as the chief mentioned, of Monday, April 23rd, the accused, now known to be 25-year-old Alec Manassian, attended a rider truck rental facility just north of Toronto. He then proceeded to rent a panel-style van. Uh, subsequent to that, he then made his way to the area of Finch and Young Street in Toronto, and this was around 1.30 p.m., as has been reported in the media, the accused is alleged to have posted a cryptic message on Facebook minutes before he began driving the rented van, and he drove it southbound on Young Street and onto the crowded sidewalks. He continued to drive southbound on Young Street, deliberately striking pedestrians on the sidewalk and roadway with the vehicle. The accused was arrested by a member of the Toronto Police Service in the area of Young and Shepherd Avenue. Once arrested, the accused was taken to 32 Division, and he was investigated by the Homicide Squad. He has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, 13 counts of attempted murder, and we're anticipating a 14th count of attempted murder, which will be laid shortly following some uh, follow-up investigation. The accused did appear in court today, uh, this morning at 1000 Finch Avenue, and he's being held in custody. As you can imagine, the investigation is uh, extremely detailed and ongoing. And because the accused has been charged, I'm restricted from discussing any evidence involved in the investigation, including any questions per uh, pertaining to motive. At this time, I'm going to appeal to members of the public and the business community um, in the affected area. If you have video of the incident or are a witness and you have not spoken to an investigator, uh, tonight or uh, this morning or this afternoon, I'd ask you to reach out as soon as possible to the Homicide Squad or 32 Division to speak with an officer. 
The TPS has a portal on their home page for members of the community to upload any video evidence they may have obtained along with their contact information, which can be uh, put in as well. Investigators will be reaching out to witnesses and the surviving victims in the near future to follow up in the investigation. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody right now for their ongoing cooperation. Thank you. So I'd like to start off uh, and speak on behalf of the death investigation system in Ontario and also with my colleagues and all of those others in law enforcement that have been working diligently throughout the night and all afternoon yesterday to express our heartfelt condolences to the families of those who have suffered terrible losses for the tragic deaths and the multiple victims who are also still injured and recovering. Also to not only the families, but also the communities, the city, and everybody generally across Canada and, and, and broader. It's a horrible tragedy and one that hopefully we'll never have to repeat. I'm here working, uh, representing, as I say, the death investigation system, working to support the Toronto Police Service and others as we sort through this tragedy and try to gain an understanding of what's occurred over the past 24 hours, or just over 24 hours. Um, we always work together as a team with uh, police investigators and also with uh, coroners, forensic pathologists and others to try to understand the circumstances. It really depends on the type of case as who will lead that case. In this case, given the, uh, the fact that there are criminal charges and this is a criminal investigation, the police are leading most of the investigation. However, we have the responsibility for the examination of those who are deceased and a key component of that is the identification of those peoples. There's a number of questions that are being raised about when are we going to release the names, who are the people that have died, and when, when can we learn more about them. I'm going to tell you today that we have not confirmed any of the identifications at this point, and we are working to do that work carefully. We clearly recognize and fully sympathize with the families, and we recognize the significance of those and their friends who are desperate to understand and to know the true identities of those who have died. I'll tell you, identifying the victims is our number one priority. And last night, Detective Sergeant and I were working closely with others. There were three coroners that were present at the scene, and we were working closely with our forensic pathology colleagues to help to start that work. But we also have to ensure that we're completely accurate when we do this. So we're always balancing the need to know and the desire to know quickly to ensure that we have 100% accuracy, and that takes time. And that time can be very frustrating at, uh, in situations. When we have tragedies of such mul multiple uh, numbers and complexity, it's very challenging. Uh, it occurred in a very busy pedestrian area, and it occurred over a significant distance. And there were many who are injured as well as deceased, and we need to have a full understanding of both the injured as well as the deceased to truly understand who each of those peoples are to, to effectively provide information to those families. It's far different, for example, from somebody found in their house deceased. So why does it take so long? Most of the time people have identification on them, and that gives us the first information as to who that person may be. So from that information, we then reach out to family members, and we have done that. The police service have done that. 
uh, working with us, and told the family that we believe their loved one has died. And we've asked them to help us to develop a method to scientifically confirm those identifications. And those confirmations will be through dental x-ray comparison, uh, potentially fingerprint comparison, or if necessary, DNA comparison. So we are actively obtaining records. We have, as I say, notified families and told them that we believe tentatively that their loved ones have passed. But we've also provided great caution in that. And therefore, we will not be releasing any of those names until we fully understand it. You know, people look different when they're deceased. Injuries occur, and we want to be very careful that we don't have any uh, confusion with that. There's a team actively working right now, forensic pathologists, forensic anthropologists, coroners, dentists, and scientists all working together, as I say, to, to make a plan and to develop this. Having said that, I don't believe that we will be confirming names for certainly uh, a number of days. And when we do, we will release those in, in a respectful way after the family are notified of the confirmation. So over the next number of days, we will be doing that work. We will also be doing full examinations to fully understand the injuries that occurred and to help uh, inform... You're listening uh, live here on CJOB to an update from the Toronto Police Service. Uh, we'll take a quick break and come back and uh, pick it up. Uh, there are more speakers to come and uh, we'll uh, come back and have that for you here on CJOB. All right, uh, 2.25 at CJOB. So the mayor wrapped up his comments, and they are now taking questions. Reporters are asking the lead investigator questions, and we're hearing a lot of, I can't answer that, I can't speak to that, can't comment on that yet. So we will monitor and let you know what more comes of this. I think worth repeating, all the fundraising is happening under hashtag Toronto Strong Fund. Hashtag Toronto Strong Fund. So instead of having a bunch of different funds, they're going to do that one. Hashtag Toronto Strong Fund. And also I thought interesting, the coroner saying that they have not yet identified any of the victims. And it may be days before they identify the victims. Now, normally, I think we'd have some names, some identities by now. But I think after what happened in Humble, when they misidentified one of the victims, I think they are being very, very careful. But still, I'm surprised that they say it could take days uh, before they start identifying victims. But no identities from the coroner today. 204-780-6868, hal at cjob.com. If you'd like to talk about this, I can tell you what's coming up here on the show. We're going to talk to uh, one of Canada's experts in vehicle attacks like this. It's Alex Wilner. He is an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University. And we'll talk to him right after Global News at 2.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. All right, so that is coming up. And poor Johnny Ballpark Franks. He got bumped again from WNSR Radio in Nashville. I so want to talk Jets and Preds with this guy. I think we'll be able to get it in next half hour. All right, so that's coming up after the news at 2.30 as well. And uh, quickly, I think we have time for a call from Jason on the phone, 204-780-6868. Jason, it says here you want to talk about the weather. Go ahead. Yeah, we've reached the high of 12, sir. Where at? Where are you? 
I'm at uh, uh, Saskatchewan and Route 90. It's right around the corner from you. And are you going? You're saying you've hit. We've hit the highway. This is according to the uh, thermostat in your car, or what? That's correct. <laughs> well, that's not very Actually, official. That's not very official, Jason. But I appreciate it, it, that. It, it does get to 13 when I'm completely stopped at a red light. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's a great call. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. There you go. Jason, his truck, when he stops, it does get to 13. So my official temperature of 8 degrees here at CJOB is a bit out of whack. All right. The news is coming right up. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. Thank you, TFJ. Coming up on 2.33. We just uh, heard an update from Toronto police, the mayor, the coroner. After that van attack in Toronto yesterday. And so now let's talk to a Canadian expert on these vehicle attacks. His name is Alex Wilner. He is an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University. And he joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Alex. Hello. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I guess let's start with your initial reaction to what happened in Toronto yesterday. Well, I'm obviously quite saddened. This is a brutal event uh, that shocks uh, Torontonians and all Canadians. Um, I'm not terribly shocked at the um, uh, that, that that we suffered such an event. Um, the writing has been on the wall in terms of how our allies have suffered similar attacks in Europe, in the United States, and elsewhere over the last, say, three, four years. So, you know, this kind of event is almost expected, but it is a it is brutal when it occurs close so close to home. Yeah, we've been seeing more and more, and now we're starting to see them here in Canada as well. Uh, should Canadians be concerned? Well, there is a, you know, there's a degree, we should be concerned to a certain degree. Um, there are a number of militant groups, ISIS and Al-Qaeda preeminent, who have tried to promote and, and propagate these types of attacks in a number of propaganda videos and written material. So, you know, there is an expectation from their side that these kinds of attacks are easy to conduct, they're cheap to conduct, and that they're effective. Um, we do have mitigating and preventative processes in place to kind of deal with these attacks. So there is pressure both ways, pressure to conduct these attacks, but also pressure to mitigate and prevent them from happening in the first place. Why are officials not calling this a terrorist attack in Toronto? Why are they... Uh, why do they seem to be shying away from putting that label on what happened? I think they want to make uh, sure that this individual was acting on behalf of or in concert with a militant or terrorist organization before they label it a terrorist act. There's a number of, you know, it's obviously an ongoing investigation. We're being told and updated uh, over the hours and days and probably weeks as this um, episode unfolds. I think there is a degree of cautiousness. I think they're right to do so. Um, There have been other types of attacks like this that certainly have been conducted on behalf or, you know, in concert with a terrorist organization. But there are some flags in this particular case um, that kind of suggests otherwise. So I think there's both an expectation that they will learn more and we will learn more, and then they can go about labeling this appropriately. Alex, I don't want to stir up unnecessary fear, but here in Winnipeg, we're very excited about our Winnipeg Jets moving on to the second round of the playoffs. We have this big uh, street party uh, at all the games now, 15,000 people and more on a street. 
should we be taking extra precautions to make sure something like what happened in Toronto yesterday does not happen here or at other events like that elsewhere in the country? The answer is yes, you should be. But the answer is that you already are. And so you might not see it, but police, first emergency responders, first responders are aware of the threat. Um, and they've put uh, in place different types of, uh, of barricades, of bollards, of, of preparatory planning, both in the police and ambulance and, and in terms of ambulances and, for, and other first responders. They put those strategies in place to both prevent but also to mitigate these attacks. And so you might not see it, but they're in place and increasingly so. Now, it's not, you know, the degree of security that we need, um, it, it should match the kind of threats that we face. So Winnipeg certainly faces a type of threat, just like any other Canadian municipality does. Um, but there's a de- so there's a degree of preparation. Now, you know, unfortunately, no degree of preparation, I think, could have really stopped this event in Toronto. There's just far too many uh, open access walkways, uh, pedestrian zones, parks and such and vehicles are, you know, in this case, it was a rider van that was rented, but vehicles, there's millions of them on our streets. So, you know, preparing for these attacks is different from actually stopping them, although cities are preparing for the worst. Are there other inexpensive, easy to execute uh, forms of attack like this? Uh, although in Toronto yesterday, you know, it may not have been a terrorist attack in the traditional sense, but are there other inexpensive, easy attacks like this to carry out that are on your radar? Well, so usually what we've seen in Europe is that a ramming attack like this is then followed followed up with a uh, knifing attack. So you've seen this um, in, in London most prominently. And so what happens is that when the car itself is incapacitated, the perpetrator or the perpetrators jump out and continue uh, to conduct a rudimentary attack with knives until they're uh, stopped usually um, because they're arrested or shot by police. Um, You know, that's not what happened in Toronto. The individual was not armed, as far as we know, not even with a blade. So, uh, but those kind of knifing attacks are rudimentary and they've occurred, you know, in the Middle East, they've occurred on our Western streets as well. Um, You know, everybody can have access to a vehicle and everybody can have access to a knife. So those are the kind of two low-hanging fruits, if you will. I'll give you the final 30 or 45 seconds here. Anything else, Alex, you think is important to get out there? I think, you know, Canadians should be proud of the way that first responders, police uh, interacted with this, this individual and with the crime scene all told. I mean, I'm standing in Toronto at this very moment. Um, I'm here for business. Um, you know, it's calm. It's, there's no fear. There's no panic. Uh, Torontonians, ordinary Torontonians jumped in to help uh, administer first aid and comfort to those that were injured. You know, until you're tested, you know, until society is tested with one of these events, it's hard to understand how we'll react. But I think we reacted very well. That's, that's, a, that's a positive note here. Alex, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. That is Alex Wilner. He is an assistant professor of international affairs at Ottawa's Carleton University, bit of an expert here in Canada when it comes to these vehicle attacks. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. If you would care to comment after that interview. And uh, we are getting text messages Uh, On other subjects as well, let me just uh, look through the latest here. Uh, Oh, uh, I wanted to get this one out here. Um, uh, Hal, Doug says, Hal, wouldn't existing firefighters be subject to a lawsuit out in Victoria Beach should a cottage burn because of their illegal walk-off? 
Uh, don't believe the firefighters are doing things right out there. The chief can go to the labor board for unjust dismissal. Um, here's the deal. It's a volunteer fire department. So I'm not so sure about that. I think they probably can walk away if they want. And then I think it would be the municipality on the hook if something happened. Uh, but listen, I'm no lawyer. I'm, uh, I don't know. That's, uh, we'll see what happens, I guess, Doug, but thanks for your text message. I appreciate that. Um, getting, uh, thank you for, by the way, thank you for all of your, uh, congratulatory, uh, text messages. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, if you missed it, uh, word got out yesterday and I said earlier that this is now my gig one to four. You'll hear me every day. It's mine. We're going to have, uh, uh, and we're going to do some fun stuff on this show and uh, Clay Young is taking over the weekend show. Clay and I are doing the weekend show one more time this weekend, uh, and then uh, Clay will take it on, and uh, I'll be doing this. Also, getting your text messages as well. We're hearing that, according to the conference board anyhow, that people are going to be eating out less as they struggle to make ends meet. And so I'm asking you, well, what do you do? And when money gets tight, what do you do? Lawrence is uh, first to cut the cable. And uh, get the family uh, blankets out and turn the heat way down. <laughs> All right. So keep those coming as well. And uh, again, thank you for all your uh, uh, congratulatory uh, text messages and phone calls and emails. I really appreciate it. Let's take a break. 241. We're going to come back. I'm going to go through these text messages, read one or two that I may have missed there as I tried to skim through them uh, live on the air. And then finally, we're going to talk to. Uh, my new best friend down in Nashville at WNSR, Johnny Ballpark Franks. We're going to talk, uh, talk Jets and Preds coming up. All right, Johnny Ballpark Franks. He does the afternoon show at WNSR, Nashville's original sports radio station. Let's talk some, some Jets and Preds here. Johnny, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, nice to talk to you down there in Nashville. Listen, we're excited about taking you guys on in the second round of the NHL playoffs. Are you as excited about facing the Jets? Well, you know, I tell you what, when you go back to the regular season, when you can pick out just one team that brought a lot of excitement, I, I think the Nashville-Winnipeg series is going to be electric. If there's a disappointment, maybe, in the sense that from a, a hockey fan perspective, looking at this series, yeah. you know, too bad it's not later instead of uh, sooner. But, hey, you know, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And uh, But when you're talking about literally the two best teams in the regular season are going at it in the second round. Yeah. And there's some disappointment from fans here with that as well. Are you hearing a lot of that, or are people moving past that pretty quickly? Oh, I think now that uh, Nashville has uh, ended Colorado's season, the focus is on the next opponent, and the next opponent happens to be Winnipeg. And really could be the best playoff series, right, Johnny? Oh, I think very much so. And, you know, the, here's the thing. The winner of this series, you know, I think the biggest thing that may be facing uh, both teams as far as looking at other obstacles down the road is just mentally being able to get over a series that most 
folks, uh, including myself, we all expect this to be a deep series, six, seven games type of series. You know it's going to be physical. You know there's going to be some baggage accumulating from game one to game two as far as the soap opera part of the the hockey contest. Uh, But in the end, just looking forward to an incredible series. You know, there's been a lot of talk about our whiteout street party here. We had more people outside the rink than we had inside the rink in the last game here. I understand it's also a big party down in Nashville when the Preds are in the playoffs. Tell us about what happens down there. Well, just like looking back to last year and the Nashville Predators run to the Stanley Cup against Pittsburgh, but the the crowds were continuing to grow uh, game in and game out as far as out, even during home games, but they'd be viewing parties, not one, but a couple of locations. And as the series got deep last year, as far as with the Nashville Predators, as far as the playoffs were concerned, uh, making it all the way to the Stanley Cup, I mean, downtown uh, Nashville closed off and it was an incredible block party. And, and, and kudos to have off to the Winnipeg fans uh, for doing the same thing and even saw that as well with uh, Colorado for example in this opening series with the Predators. Yeah and then I know you guys down there we have a great anthem singer Stacey Natras here in Winnipeg but I know down there you've got all those big country stars to pick from. Who are some of the names you're hearing that will be singing the anthem down there? Well, that's the thing. You know, it's always a a surprise. And, you know, just looking back, I mean, you're you're talking about a jukebox that you can pull from to bring out as far as a national anthem singer. So far, we've had the likes of Rascal Flatts, uh, Mary Morris this year. Uh, You know, if it's a big name, we've heard it before. And and I expect it to, you know, have that bar continuing to to be raised as far as the national anthem singers. Yeah. Hey, uh, Johnny, you know, if you were coming here to Winnipeg and you wanted to try some Winnipeg and Manitoba food I'd send you out for uh, maybe some pierogies or uh, what would we come and eat down in Nashville like uh, probably barbecue I'm thinking right well, we got some nice barbecue. We got the hot chicken, uh, but I tell you, one of the things that you can count on when you're visiting Nashville, whether for hockey, music, or whatever the case may be, first of all, you're going to enjoy some great hospitality, uh, but a wide, diverse uh, selections of food. But I would, I would probably, uh, you know, push you towards the barbecue or hot chicken. Excellent. Sounds good. Listen, I know a lot of Winnipeggers are going to be making the trip down there uh, to check out one or more of the games. So uh, watch for the Winnipeggers. And, Johnny, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I mean this. Good luck in the series. I think it might be one of the best we see. I'm not going to disagree with you. I think exactly the same way. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, buddy. That is Johnny Ballpark Franks, WNSR Radio in Nashville. And I know that uh, the Nashville Predators are sort of protecting their tickets for their fans. I get it. It's it's done elsewhere as well. But I'll tell you what, I don't think there's another city where I would be fine to go down and just be a part of the party. I don't care if I'm, you know, obviously I'd like to be in the rink and see the teams play. But if I'm a Jets fan, man, can you imagine the stuff you could do down in Nashville just being a part of the party without even going to the game? And I know a few people that are talking about doing that, that have done that uh, with other uh, games in other cities where they aren't going to the game, they're just going down for the party. That'd be a lot of fun. And there, are, I'll bet you there are people now planning the same thing here, right? Coming here for the big Whiteout Street Party there on Whiteout Way? Sure, absolutely. We still do not know exactly when the Jets and Preds will get at it because, of course... Rogers here in Canada and NBC in the States, right? TV rules the world. They're waiting to see what happens with 
the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins. Uh, Game 7, tomorrow night in Boston. That will decide the series. Incredible, because the Leafs were down 3-1, and it looked like they were done, right? But they have fought back, and now they have forced a Game 7. By the way, this is, in all the years of the Toronto Maple Leafs, this is only the second time in franchise history that the Leafs will, if they win, come back from a 3-1 series deficit. So, got to give them credit. They've fought hard in this one. I personally would kind of like to see Boston move on. And then I think, listen, I think a lot of Canadians are going to be back in the Jets, even if the Leafs are still in it. But uh, I'd kind of like it if the Jets were the only Canadian team, if our Winnipeg Jets were the only Canadian team. That would, uh, I'd like that. Uh, Text messages, 204-780-6868. As I said, lots of congratulatory text messages, emails, and phone calls. Uh, as uh, it was made official yesterday that I am the new one to four host here on CJOB and uh, handing off weekends to Clay Young. I got to read one text message here from Gary. Congrats, Hal. To me, you've always been the big comfy blanket that wraps Manitoba in love. So glad you're officially back. Thanks, Gary. That made me feel really good today. Um, Doug says... Uh, that we might be able to see you on weekends out in Winnipeg Beach. That is my hope. That is certainly uh, the timing is uh, uh, perfect for me to hopefully get out there. That's the plan. Somebody here uh, weighing in on how they make ends meet every month. And uh, Conference Board of Canada says people will be eating out less over the next uh, four or five years. This texture says, how with gas prices hitting a buck fifty to a buck seventy-five come winter, thanks to the carbon tax, everyone with a truck or V8 will be selling them. Yeah, you might be right. Another texture here, I have my mortgage and a small loan, no credit card. That's how they get around uh, overspending and making sure they have enough money to pay the bills. No credit card. Uh, Hal, I raised my kids when mortgage rates were 7 to 15%. Now I'm living off my savings and looking forward to higher interest rates. Yeah, no kidding, eh? When you got some money in the bank, you're going, go ahead, rates, climb, climb, baby, climb. But when you owe money, you're going, oh, come on, stay low, stay low. Uh, another text message here on spring. Hal, I know it's finally spring because I dropped the top on my Corvette twice now. That's from Rob. Yep, I can't wait to be driving that 1980 International Scout of mine up at the lake with the top off. Brad says, Hal, it's spring because I get to take my motorcycle out and go golfing. Yes, Brad, thank you very much. And another sign of spring, Hal, sure sign of spring for me. The Pelicans are back on the river in Lockport where I live. Yay, spring. Great to hear you during the day. You're fabulous. Thank you very much. And one more here. No name on this one. Hal, it's spring when the kids start playing outside. Yep. All great text messages. Thank you very much for all of those. Really appreciate them. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. You can call that number, too, if you want to have a conversation with me. That's sort of a novel idea. And, of course, you can email hal at cjob.com. Hal at cjob.com. We have to break uh, break here for the news at 3 o'clock. Tristan Field-Jones coming right up. It's Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB.
Your phone call is always a priority on this show, 204-780-6868. You can call or text that number and email me anytime, 24-7, Hal at cjob.com. Final hour of the show here. Global News reporter Dana Foxall joins us now. And uh, we found out about this bike registry. We've got the big auction, the police auction of the bikes coming up on the weekend. And you were out today uh, talking to experts, I guess, safe to call them experts, on how to protect our bikes. What did you find out? So first off, you just mentioned the uh, registry, Mm. and apparently we've had great success with that so far. It was released yesterday by the city of Winnipeg at 11 o'clock. They announced they were going to be putting the registry online, and they've had a lot of sign-ups so far. So that's the first step in kind of making sure your bike is secure. But today, what I learned is you want to lock your bike up very securely, Mm. and you want to lock it to something that is stable, that's not going anywhere. So <laughs> not, not a tree that somebody can cut down. Or, yeah, yeah, I don't know about so much trees <laughs> cut, getting cut down. That would be pretty uh, ostentatious if someone has yeah. got their axe or some sort of chainsaw and just taken down a tree mm. to grab a bike. But more so, you don't want to lock your bike to anything that can move. And even if you're thinking, oh, this signpost looks pretty sturdy, this, yeah. this um, street sign looks pretty good, people can actually pull those up and... Um, just lift the sign higher than the bike lock, right. kind of slide the bike lock down mm-hmm. without even touching that lock. They can yeah. get the bike and they can run off with it. So I spoke to uh, Tim Woodcock today at Woodcock Cycle Works uh, down in St. Vitale, and mm-hmm. he was great. He broke it all down. He showed me all the different kinds of locks, but uh, he, here he is explaining sort of what not to do when you're parking your bike and about to walk away. We always recommend to people not to lock it up to street signs and that because uh, a lot of times you can't see under the grass. They're they're actually bolted. There's a little uh, uh, clip that holds the pole in, so uh, thieves will come along, undo the pole, slide it up past the lock, and walk away with the bicycle, unfortunately. Hmm. I was pretty shocked, to be honest. I didn't think that was really something that people did, but I guess it is a possibility, so the yeah. more you know. Uh, but just off kind of off the get-go, you want to have a lock that is very sturdy in itself. Typically, Tim recommends the D-shaped locks, the U-locks, right. um, those sort of like kryptonite ones. Kryptonite's a brand. He also mentioned there's some other ones that are, again, very, very hard. Um, and you want to make sure you're putting that around as much of the bike as you can. So his ideal locking scenario would have you removing your front wheel bringing it around to the back wheel, kind of getting those two together and getting the bike positioned in such a way that you can slide the lock through not only the frame, but the front wheel, the back wheel, right. and then around whatever you're locking Because they'll, they'll take off with a wheel, they'll oh, take they'll whatever, anything, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they'll take off with as much as you can get, but mm. Tim says the gold standard is one of those U-shaped locks. Uh, it comes down to materials for one. Uh, it's a hardened steel. Um, a lot of times you'll get uh, with some of these U-locks, uh, there is big differences between the lower end ones and the higher end. The lower end ones usually use, use a carbon steel, so it's easier to cut through, sometimes is isn't hardened. Also the internal mechanisms that actually uh, hold the clamp in are really important. So your highest levels will clamp on both sides of where the, the U goes in, uh, whereas your lower end lock will only clamp at one end so the benefit of the dual one is if even if they were to cut through there with a grinder or something uh, they wouldn't be able to open the lock up at all they'd have to grind both sides off so it's going to be a lot slower harder for them to get through the lock mm. 
Yeah, the key is making it as difficult as possible for them to get your bike, right? Exactly. The more difficult it is, the less likely they are going to be to stop. And They'll move on to the next one that might be easier. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He did actually say that uh, if your bike is it looks secure, you've got the back wheel locked, you've got the front wheel locked up, whether that's with the back wheel or just with a cable that's attached to mm. the lock itself. Uh, just any extra measures that you can kind of use to make your bike look like it's going to be a bit of a project to mm-hmm. steal, the better. Um, he said it's a good idea to actually have it in a place that has a lot of traffic somewhere that's not tucked away and out of sight. So mm. f- on the chance that someone does go after your bike, there will be lots of people there to see right. it and to kind of think, oh, hey, that's weird. Why is someone yeah. taking a little grinder or a saw to this bike lock here? And Yeah. Thieves like their privacy. They, they like don't. Their they don't privacy. like to have to pull their uh, dastardly deeds with a bunch of people around. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit harder to get away with something when you have a full crowd of people mm. watching you trying to saw through a bike lock or yeah. flip it upside down and try to wriggle it out of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned the wheels. Uh, bike thieves will just go and steal a wheel or yeah. steal a frame and a wheel. Um, so the more locks you have attached to all the different valuable parts of your bike, the better. It's not really fun having to come back yeah. to a bike that you locked up half an hour ago and mm-hmm. seeing just a single wheel lying there with a yeah. nice lock that did its job, but you didn't lock it to mm-hmm. what it was supposed to be locked yeah. to. They have some nice bikes at Woodcock. Did you see your new bike there, Diana? Oh, they sure do. Mm-hmm. I I might have to go back. I left mine back home, so I think <laughs> if I need a ride around here, I know where to go, and I know where to buy another lock. That's yes, for sure. Yes, you do. All right, Diana, thank you very much. So make sure you protect your bike. Get a good lock. Take some of the advice you heard here today from Global News reporter Diana Foxhall and the gang over at Woodcock Cycle. Some very good advice. All right, it is 312. We're going to check traffic here in a moment. The forecast is coming up as well. Hal Anderson on CJOB. And at 317, let's check some text messages here, shall we? Um... Oh, boy, a bunch more have come in here. Oh, somebody commenting on, we were talking about uh, bike locks and making sure they're good uh, locks. Now, I didn't even think of this, I guess, because I'm not a bandit. I'm not a bad guy out there pulling, uh, you know, stealing stuff. But somebody pointed out now that battery-operated grinders are making it much easier for uh, thieves to uh, get away with your bike. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Spend the extra money on the good lock and uh, follow the advice that Diana Foxhall had for us. From everybody over at Woodcock Cycle. Uh, Somebody here saying that they have been a Habs fan since they were five. Always have been a Habs fan. But cheering for the Jets now. Not because I'm jumping on the bandwagon, but because they like what the Jets organization did for the Humboldt Broncos. Playing uh, with the name on the back of of the jersey. And you're right. That was very classy. A lot of people have done classy things. But glad to see that you're uh, you're cheering on uh, our Jets. No problem at all. Somebody says, uh, Hal, is it possible the Jets and the Leafs could play in the Stanley Cup final? Yes, it is possible. So that is another reason, I guess, to kind of cheer for the Leafs. And I should be cheering for the Leafs because I went heavy on Jets players in the pool here at CGOB, and I went heavy in Leafs players, thinking, you know, hoping for that all-Canadian uh, Stanley Cup final, and gee, now who knows? Game seven tomorrow, uh, Leafs and Bruins. I guess uh, it could happen. We will see uh, what happens. Somebody else here, another uh, texter says, "Hey, an all Canadian Stanley Cup final would be 
awesome. And yes, it uh, it certainly would be. I think that is uh, pretty much it for the text messages. Keep them coming. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. And uh, you can also call that number, not just text it. You can call that number. And, of course, the email, uh, my inbox is always open. 24-7, seven days a week, Doesn't just any time. If you've got a thought, a story, idea, criticism, compliment, doesn't matter. Whatever it is, hal at cjob.com. By the way, today is New Kids on the Block Day today. It's Pig in a Blanket Day today. Seven Yo Blah Day today, if you're a wine person. It's World Day for Animals in Laboratories Day. It's World Meningitis Day today. And it's Armenian Genocide Remembrance Day today. Some celebrity birthdays. And uh, listen, when stuff uh, like yesterday, with what happened with that van attack in Toronto, there's just some days when, uh, you know, you need to somehow get through a tough day. And I think I've got something that will help us get through uh, today if it's a little tough for you out there, whatever your your issues are today. Shirley McLean's having a birthday today. She is 84. Wow. Barbara Streisand. Babs is 76. Richard Sturban from the Oak Ridge Boys is 75. Doug Clifford, Creedence Clearwater Revival is 73. Michael O'Keefe played Fred on Roseanne, 63. Cedric the Entertainer, I like him. He's 54 today. Aaron Comas from the Spin Doctors is 50. I was going to play some Spin Doctors, uh, but I've got a better uh, song here in just a moment. Joe Keery plays Steve Harrington on Stranger Things, if you watch that on on, uh, Netflix. He is 26. And Kelly Clarkson is having a birthday today. I like Kelly Clarkson. I've told you that before. She is 36 today. And she has got this song, Stronger. And I love it. It's a great video. It's a great song. It's one of those songs in the video, everybody's got their hands up, you know, like they're a strong man, you know, kind of doing that, you know, Stronger. It's a great song. Gets me fired up. Makes me feel like I can get through a tough day. So as we head to a break, the birthday girl, Kelly Clarkson. Doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. 